And we're back. Welcome to No Direction, the Pathfinder News, Reviews, and Interviews podcast. I'm Vanessa Hoskins. And I'm Luis Loza. No, you're Alex Agunas. <laughs> oh, oh, am I? All right. I wasn't sure if we were doing a witch warper thing. Oh I'm Alexander Agunas, <laughs> No Direction's Everyman Gamer, doing a special guest co-host tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing a witch warper thing. You Starfinder shill. Um, yes. No, uh, Luis is still on his way back from Gen Con, uh, where there are so many announcements. Oh there my are so gosh. many things to talk about. There's so many announcements that there was no way Vanessa could do them all by herself. So I'm here to help like a helpful skittermander. I I would get hoarse. I couldn't couldn't say them all. I wouldn't have a voice left by the end of the show. Well, you know what it'd say? It's better to get hoarse than donkey, right? Uh, uh, Oh, um, I, I didn't know that, but thanks for sharing. Anytime. Speaking of things that we should share, should we share all the latest news and information from Gen Con about Pathfinder 2nd Edition? Well, I suppose we should because that's why we're here. Um, yeah. So it was a really fun Gen Con. As I said, tons of announcements. And they did this new thing that they've been starting with. Mm-hmm. I think starting with PaizoCon this year, where rather than spread all of the new announcements out or, or the majority of the announcements out over all the panels, they kind of get them all out at once during Eric Mona's keynote. And it it kind of turned into Eric Mona uh, trying to ramble off everything that is happening in both Pathfinder and Starfinder because he only had an hour and we only have about an hour and a half. And we also want to talk about the new playtest that dropped uh, the kineticist, which, Oh my gosh, as you can imagine, I, I don't know if you've heard this, Alex, but I, I kind of like kineticists. I have like a, like a thing where I like them. Are you sure? Yes. Uh, I, I feel like if you liked a kineticist, you would have made like a third party product or something by now. I probably would have written one just so I could play it and then never actually get a chance to play it. Yeah, that's probably ah, what I would have done. The game designer's curse. I know it well. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, let's let's get into what's there. The first thing is the Dark Archive, which we already knew mm-hmm. was going to come out, but it was there at the show. There were the special editions at the show, and it was selling really well from what I saw and from what I was told. Uh, it's very cool. It's the one that has the new psychic and has, uh, which which I'm actually going to mention later, so pin in that, uh, and the Ooh. Thermiturge, which is sort of like the occultist, but because we now have an occult spell list, that would be weird, so it's just the Thermiturge. Yeah, it's a really cool class. Uh, the book itself has a lot of interesting content. I've heard that a lot of people really like how it juxtaposes uh, player options with actual like story content. So if you're a GM and you pick up Dark Archive, you can give it to your players and give them fun things for them to play with. And then you can also use it for the adventures in the book. There's like a series of adventures that are all woven together with like a connected narrative that take you from, I believe, third level to 12th level, something mm-hmm. like that. Something like that. One of the things I really liked about it was that it, um, I liked that it took Pathfinder Society lore, where the Dark mm-hmm. Archive was sort of a branch of society taking these dark, art, dark artifacts and doing things. And then, of course, when Second Edition came out, they didn't keep the same factions. So the faction of the Dark Archive doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And so with uh, within the lore, they just, the lore is that they closed it. They're like, well, we have all this dangerous stuff. And honestly, it's probably too dangerous for agents to be messing with. We're just going to close this and, and don't worry about it. And so what's interesting about this is that they're using that lore that was established in First Edition's organized play program and turning it into like a whole rules book. I just think that's really neat the way they're yeah. they're able to go back and forth and they're and Paizo is now willing, I think more so than ever to go back and forth between the main rules lines 
and adventure paths and the organized play lines, as we will see. Uh, yeah. As we will touch on later, but that's more of a Starfinder thing. I'm giving it away. Giving it away. Oh my uh, gosh. The secrets, all my secrets. What, are you, what am I going to do on the 14th when we're doing our show? And then I'm like, I'm nothing to talk about. <laughs> because I'm only teasing and you'll be able to go into it. That's fair. But the art in this book is fantastic. There's yeah. people having a mindscape battle, which is just fun and topsy-turvy and neat. Uh, those seem like one of the most fun things you can uh, you can do if you just want to mess around with. Um, we yeah. also got to talk about the Bloodlords, um, which I can show you the screen here in a moment. There we go. Yeah, that's the adventure path where it uses Book of the, the Dead stuff, where you play like dead people in Geb, right? Yeah, you start off as like the the... What's it called? The the like servants or whatever, like, you know, people who work for the blood lords of Geb. And eventually you become blood lords yourself and have to deal with the problems of the nation of Geb, which is mostly undead, but not all. And you don't have to be undead to play it, but you sure can. And or, mm -hmm. or maybe you'll become undead later. Who knows? And it's interesting also in that it's not the evil adventure path. It is the non-good. So there's no way you should absolutely play this. If you're a good character and if you're like, well, that's what makes it edgy and cool, please don't because your GM will be very sad as they have to sort of twist and warp and do what the adventure path wasn't designed to do. Because uh, on yeah. the box it says, don't be dead. Yeah. Or, or don't be good. Don't be good. Um, but it looks pretty cool. There's a lot of, oh my gosh, I have these, I have these pictures. I kind of stole Eric Mona's slides. Don't tell him. Uh, there's these kind of fun, cool pieces of art that were shown off about it and it's, it's some really cool stuff. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I don't want to give away too much. I don't know what all was on here. Uh, there's a bunch of other cool stuff that they talked about. Um, they talked about the, uh, let me see here. Let me get this set up. The Impossible you know what? Lands book. What's that? Yeah. Well, you know, they also talked about the Kingmaker Anniversary Edition. You remember that? That was the thing that was announced like three years ago. Yes. That finally is out. I saw yeah. the actual products. I held one in my hands even and it, it, my hands didn't pass through it. So either my will save is just absolutely terrible, probably true, <laughs> or uh, it was physical and not actually an illusion. So. Oh, my gosh. I know. I can't believe it. Uh, spoiler alert. I actually wrote content in that book like three years ago. And to oh, see wow. that it actually exists is great. Uh, I wrote content for one of the companion characters uh, from the video game and brought them into Pathfinder, which oh, was really that's fun. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I'm told that they're a character that people like. Uh, that genre of video game isn't something that is for me personally, but I love that people are getting into Pathfinder through it. Uh, there's like a, I think they're a halfling and they have the, the bow archetype for bards is what it is. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. Bow archetype for bards is very useful. I know, I know yeah. one Ryan Costello might want that for his adventurous character. Oh, oh, Ryan Costello. That means all of a sudden that's on podcast people playing this stuff. That'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's also, uh, you said Impossible Lands was coming, right? Yeah. So Impossible Lands is coming. Uh, it's a gorgeous, colorful, beautiful book, just like the the land uh, that it represents. Um, you've got a lot of different places, including Jalmoray, which is a lot of uh, Vudran influence. It's, it's a colony of Vudra. Uh, and you've got Nex and Geb and Alkenstar and all sorts of stuff. So um, the Impossible Lands are very neat, and I, oh, I cover that book. It's just so pretty. It is. 
Uh, I'm really excited about that book because it's got like five new ancestries in it from what we've seen so far. Uh, we know that the Venara, they're like uh, they're monkey people from Hindi myth, uh, Gorians, which were a Pathfinder original creation that are like plant people that are covered in petals they're and their food. bodies. They're yeah, like they taste like. They taste like watermelon, apparently, like really good watermelon. Well, they're supposed to be like magical food that was yeah. so magical it gained sentience. And then they turned themselves into humanoid shape to try to express that, hey, stop yeah. eating us, we're sentient. Yeah, I had to do a lot of research on them. I wrote their article way back in Ultimate Wilderness, and I brought them into Starfinder and Alien Archive 2. So, like, I'm really excited to see them come into second edition. They're really fun. Uh, like, when I was doing my research, what I learned was, like, essentially that Nex wanted food that could survive in, like, the desert because mm -hmm. plants and especially watermelons don't do that well. So, like, he magicked up, like, watermelons that could adapt to problems. And over, like, the centuries, the watermelons started thinking thinking because of that magic and now there are people and you have all this like running around like oh no they want to eat us apparently it's just one bite of a gorian is enough to get you hooked on them for life so uh yeah, going to be fascinating to see them in in pathfinder second edition they uh you some also really great art yeah. um you'll see on there there's a there's a nagaji there's a there's a goran and there's a venara and that that goran art's really cool with the bits of holly in their hair yeah, well, what's really cool about the uh, the Goran is that their faces are made up of flower petals because they learned how to basically move the flower petals and a facsimile of like how people move their mouses for facial expressions in order to basically uh, trigger people's like uh, emotional and tug on their heartstrings as a survival mechanism because they learned if they looked really sad while you eat them, you'd be less likely to eat them. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I yeah, I love. Yeah, they're really cool. Uh, <laughs> Dustin is in chat and says, "Make a Gorin chef." Oh no! Oh um, gosh! And they just like clip their own fingernails into the food. They're like, "Oh, this will be tasty." <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I am really interested by that uh, that Nagaji art you just showed because, like, in Star yeah. in Pathfinder First Edition, they were basically just like human shaped, mm -hmm. but with like scales painted on, and like that is kind like of. he's a cobra headed guy. Like, wow! I'm wondering, like, is this like a new direction for the ancestry, the way Cobalt's got to make over, or is this like yeah. a specific heritage? I'm excited about that. I don't have um, a I don't have an answer, but what I suspect is that you're right. So they're probably trying to do what a lot of other ancestries have gotten and sort of do like ethnicities within an ancestry so yeah. that you might have more uh, like Cobra traded Nagaji and you have more rattlesnake uh, mm -hmm. Nagaji that, you know, you can always hear them coming. Uh, I, I also wouldn't be too surprised if a lot of the new lore kind of moves them away from the servitor race thing, because that doesn't really feel like it meshes with modern Paizo values. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then Venarans are just really cool. And Hindi myth, they are like a group of people who uh, they have monkey features and they also have like the magic ability to change their size. Uh, in one myth, uh, one becomes as big as a mountain. So oh, we'll geez. see what ends up. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening with them. But I also think Pathfinder Second Edition has a, a longstanding history of taking uh, ancestries that were based off of things from other people's cultures and bringing them a little bit closer than yes. they might have originally been. Yeah, uh, they like, definitely. I, I expect them to do treatment to these. So they're not just the monkey people, but are like, as you said, a little bit closer to mm -hmm. the original myths that they they're pulling from. So. Yeah. Now, one thing I thought that was really interesting, it wasn't on the art that you showed it was for the other impossible land spread the one that has the vishkanya on it um 
This, for those of you who are new to second edition, who never played first edition, Vishkanya are like, they're based off of this myth of uh, like Indian assassin women who would basically consume poison until their blood became poisonous. And uh, like, so that's, that's one thing. And that's cool. I'm excited to see how they differentiate Vishkanya from Nagaji because that line was already very kind of dubious with them both being serpent poison inspired uh, ancestries. But sure. there's a, one of the art, uh, I don't know if you have it on the screen. No, you don't. That's fine. Uh, one of the arts is like a blue person <laughs> who's wearing like traditional Indian orange robes with like orange, like frills in their hair. That color of orange is associated with, uh, with, with Samsara with like a, with a, a branch of Hinduism that's about reincarnation mm -hmm. and the blue skinned people in first edition were Samsarans. So yeah. like they didn't announce that Samsarans were in this book, they but didn't. it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we got either a versatile heritage for them, maybe, or if there's just an NPC there, because honestly, like when you start talking about India and and East Asia, yeah. like a lot of those uh, religious beliefs migrated East out of India. So like you have a lot, a lot of interconnectivity Um, for sure. those who don't know, like uh, Samsarans and Nagaji were originally from Tian Sha. That's where they were introduced in first edition, but it kind of makes more sense to bring them back over to the impossible lands where they can be from Jamare, which is from Vudra. Mm -hmm. And Vudra is more like the Indian analogs. Like I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you could hear it in my voice. I'm really excited about, <laughs> impossible hands like I, can't I hear it in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> like i can't wait to see this book I'm, I, I'm 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 i got high hopes for it all right very cool there's another book that they announced that is super exciting this is a brand new announcement from gen con and i am hype and that is the firebrands book mm. so firebrands is a new faction that i believe are, are my usual co-host of louis loza created from scratch if i am not mistaken mm. uh and they are these like combination freedom fighters fighting for justice types but also kind of show-offs like some of them like they're daredevils and they like to do big spectacular things to get people's attention to get them mm -hmm. to pay attention so that way they can help enforce social change and i think they're just really really neat i know i wrote a couple of firebrand factions in the uh in the absalom book if you check out the harbor section so i'll let Ooh. people go and do that uh but there are two different sets of firebrands there and one of the things that's interesting about the firebrands is that they work uh, in like like in cells. Like there's not because they're all chaotic or whatever. There's not like a giant overseeing organization that says, "Here's what we're gonna do." It's usually just small groups of people that come together and be like, "Yeah, we're firebrands too." And the way to become a firebrand is to say, "I'm a firebrand," and that's it. Now you're a firebrand. Yeah. <laughs> and they they distinguish themselves with these two cross swords. Uh, one over the other, uh, blades up, you know, points up uh, and hilts down and uh, creating kind of an X. And then usually the types of swords or, or blades that they use and uh, help designate like which which particular cell of firebrands you're talking about. And there's also usually like another um, identifier, often either mm -hmm. behind the swords or just under them. So that's if you see crossed swords um, and potentially with some other insignia that might be firebrands i am looking forward to this book but it's mostly because the firebrands have not captured me as something i'm interested in and i am it, and i am interested in this book trying to change my mind about it because where the firebrands sit right now 
because their original introduction doesn't really have a whole lot of like, this is what they're about. It's like, we're about fun and freedom and adventure and also murder. And it's like, you kind of <laughs> like, I kind of like, don't really know what to think about them. And it probably doesn't help that my only experience with them was, uh, Dust, in Dustin's home game, he had us encounter some firebrands where the firebrands had this, this cell had been infiltrated by like a bunch of people who were very much on the, the neutral chaotic neutral spectrum rather than the chaotic good. And mm. uh, they became villains for us where we had oh, to deal no. with these, with these insurgent firebrands who were using the organization's name poorly. So I'm, Are you I'm sure looking, you weren't the villains? Cause we, we absolutely became the villains by accident. By the end of that, we were, yeah, we were trying to, kidding. we were trying. Like, yeah. These firebrands are out for good, but they're not doing it the way I would do it. That's it. Let's stop yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Well, what ended up happening was, is we were partnering with them to rescue one of our fellow players from like being press ganged into like a, a, a sh it wasn't even, it was like the Cortos consortium was press ganging them into like service. So like we were trying to rescue from them, but like the group that planned all of this, which I was not a part of, uh, I take no fault, fault for this. Uh, they didn't do a good job planning this. And then the firebrands turned on us halfway through because we weren't okay with just killing everybody and the firebrands wanted to. And it was like, oh, okay, this is this isn't what I expected to happen. Now we're fighting and oh, this got really bad. So um just that reminds maybe me of like my lawful was it lawful neutral? I think it was my lawful neutral cleric of Phorasma, who yeah. when there was a question whether someone was like good or not, or what do we do with them, was always, always the person who's like, just kill them and let the lady sort it out. Like, yeah, totally. That's her this job, it's fine. You're just passing them along. Like you ending their life isn't really a big deal. They'll be judged, they'll be sent to the right place. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if we're like not sure. And everyone's arguing whether to kill him or not. Just kill him. Yeah, I, I feel that. I kill him for all. Me, and let sort him out. For me, like the firebrands are kind of in this weird place where, like, they feel like they are the PC adventurers, but they're NPCs. Like, they do stuff that PCs do. And I don't think that like and they remind me of like uh, an adventurer's guild without the guild. <laughs> Is yeah. what they are to me. So like, I'm looking forward to they seeing if this of. book. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if the, this book can give me enough more new information about them to make me like improve my opinion of them. But for right now, I'm just kind of like, ah, I'll try it. You know, um, the book sure. I am excited for. I mean, Impossible Lands, obviously, like good. Uh, I have been craving Travel Guide. Like, yes. I I wake up every morning and I'm like, where's Travel Guide? It, it should be right here on my hand. I should be reading it. Um, and they had some pictures. They talked a little bit about Travel Guide. We know there's like an entire like set of Absalonium coins in this book now, thanks to Eric's key uh, note address, which is really cool. That's cool. Um, some of the topics Eric specifically talked about included everyday life, fashion, architecture, a holiday overview, uh, games of chance and sport, and food recipes. Theoretically, this you might actually be able to cook things in this book. And I'm really hoping that... Uh, that um, Lisa Gillette, uh, Crystal's partner. Did I say it right? Do you know? They I make really, they I don't make think really I've ever pronounced food. her last name. That's so fair. I'm so sorry, name. Lisa, if you're watching and I pronounced it wrong. But regardless, uh, I've seen on uh, their Twitter that they've cooked a lot of the recipes that have made it into the game before. And I'm really hoping that Lisa or somebody else just like cooks everything in that book and like makes all the food and tells tell me if it's good because I'm a terrible cook. <laughs> but I want it. <laughs> 
Well, I, I definitely want, want to try some of the recipes in there. Uh, I might need some like plant-based substitutes and non-dairy substitutes, but still, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, in yeah. the chat, uh, Paper Ninja is suggesting a string of cooking streams. <laughs> <laughs> we just all get together. Like it'll be KDCon uh, panel seminar number one. We're all wearing like little aprons and mm -hmm. we're crowding around like an aisle. Like it's time to cook with Katie. Katie cooks. <gasps> Katie cooks. <laughs> Actually, my the kitchen. We just moved, and the apartment we just moved into does have a kitchen set up that that somewhat supports that. So. Oh my gosh, KD cooks. Uh, Mirror Wolf 9 is looking forward to the mentioned cocktail recipes. If you're wondering where these mentions are coming from and you are listening to the podcast at home, at work, in your car, uh, we stream live every other Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern and uh, right on Twitch. And you can join us in the chat and ask questions and make so all sorts of silly comments that we will engage with. Uh, so I invite you to do that. Uh, and you can find the link to that on our website at nodirectionpodcast.com as well as links to our Discord, Patreon, all sorts of fun stuff. I heard that Discord is filled with the chillest people in the Pathfinder community. Chillest people, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? You can go there and you can talk to them about all the new adventure content that's being released because there's a yeah. bunch. They're re-releasing the Crown of the Cobalt King, which is like a super oh, old ancient uh, ancient history for Paizo sort of thing way back in the, like, was it, was it 3.0 or 3.5? Yeah, that was, a, that was a that was a 3.5 adventure. It's yeah. older than Pathfinder. It's so old. Uh, but they, they updated it to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, added some new stuff, some beautiful maps and map packs and stuff. So that's yeah. pretty cool. It They're looks doing, gorgeous. It does. It looks really cool. Have uh, you heard about the new hardcovers? Yes. Like, uh, have you heard about the new hardcover for Fist of the Ruby Phoenix? I know. Oh, my gosh. That's not even the only one that was announced to yeah. jump sideways. Oh, that, that looks so good, too. Oh, that picture. Which, which one? It, the picture you just put on screen, the one yeah. with the, with Sage and the monk fighting the Tengu and that girl with the, the pink clothes. It's so yeah. good. I, so I'm, that's the standard edition cover. But check this out. If you're watching the stream, you get to see it. If not... This is the this is the uh, the special edition cover. If you are listening, I will describe it to you. Oh. It is a faux leather, a purple faux leather with gold foil embossing, and it is gorgeous. There's also oh. Fist of the Ruby Phoenix battle cards, uh, which I think will be super helpful if you're running this, because especially or at least in person, because what happens is a lot of the time you're fighting these various different teams, and there's a bunch of NPCs with a bunch of different builds, and everyone's got art, and it's like there's just so much to keep track of. Mm -hmm. With the battle cards, you can clip that to the top of your your GM screen, and all of your players can see the portraits of what your their opponents look like. Meanwhile, you've um, got their stats on the back, so you can just you can just run it off of those cards, and you don't have to keep looking stuff up and being like, oh, well, this person's on page one hundred and four, and this person's on a page one hundred and five, and I have to flip back and forth to jump over into the far flung future. Um, Another one, another thing that was announced is uh, Thurston Hillman actually worked on putting a compilation of the Scoured Stars, yes. not Adventure Path, the Scoured Stars Adventures from it's Society. Like adventure arc, basically. Yeah, basically, it's like it spans like the first two real years of the Starfinder Society because season one was an extended and got a, a season 1.5 too. Mm -hmm. And like, 
Uh, also, there's like all new content and they basically turned it into like a Starfinder adventure path, which is so yes. cool. But yeah. what was interesting about that is that's also a hardcover. Mm -hmm. And they announced at Gen Con that they are looking in the future to start converting to the instead of producing volume by volume to just make hardcover books like the compilations are the adventure path, which is yeah. a definite change over what we have now. And from what I understand, they're looking at doing that in Starfinder. I don't know that there's been any plans to do it for Pathfinder. So it might be one of those things where they're going to see how it does in Starfinder and then move mm -hmm. it over to the Pathfinder line. Because one thing I know that they're really excited about is all the issue numbers for Pathfinder because they're they're getting close to, to 200. Like they're not it's not mm -hmm. around the corner, but it's it's only a few years away. So it's getting there. And I think they really like the idea of like hitting issue 200. Um, mm -hmm. So I think they're probably, if I had to guess, and I have zero knowledge of this, by the way, if I had to guess, they're trying it with Starfinder, see how that goes. If it goes well, then after issue 200 comes out, then they might go to once all at once full compilation hardbacks for Adventure Paths, where you mm -hmm. just get all three, four, six books, however many they have, all at once and say, boom, here's your big adventure. I kind of think that's probably the way to go. Um, I know that the industry leader does that with their adventures, just puts them on big hardcover books that are big hurrah. And I yeah. think that also kind of deals with the problem of the last book in the adventure path always se uh, selling slower than all the ones before it, at least evidenced by the fact that if you go, and you go to PaizoCon, their carts of books are always, they have tons of the last couple ones. The first ones always sell out. So well, yeah, it's, it is very useful for the sales of them. But like, so I understand why a publisher would want to do that because you're guaranteed mm -hmm. then to sell as much of book six as you are of book one. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also kind of understand where it is as a player. So let's say this adventure path comes out and people are really excited about it. And a bunch of people buy, you know, the, the first one and most of those people buy the second one and at least half of those people buy the third and about half of those buy the fourth and then maybe the fifth and the sixth get mm -hmm. a few sales. That was a year ago. You come and you're like, wait, but our group just finished and we really want to play this adventure path. And I like physical books. And now you're like, well, one is definitely out of print and it's impossible to get. Two is difficult to get and over expensive. Three, three and four, I can only get used copies. And then five and six, I can get new. And they're actually on clearance sale because no one wants them. And it's yep. like, must be really, because I, I know I did that with, um, oh gosh, with a first edition adventure path that I still have. The, the one where you're in West Crown running around Council of Thieves. So I still have mm -hmm. a Council of Thieves, all of the books that I haven't read other than the little short stories in the back. I haven't read them, um, but I was waiting for someone someday to run it for me. Mm -hmm. And I have, and it took me like two months to track all these things down. And that was a lot of legwork. But I imagine that if, if they all came out as hardbacks, you'd just be like, oh, well, you're going to run the adventure, you buy the hardback. And then if if later, if you're like, well, I want to run this, you just need to find one hardback instead of track down yeah. three to six different volumes. And this is just a suspicion, but I suspect that if you're talking about doing a reprint run, it is easier to justify a reprint run of a single hardcover series yeah. than individual issues of an adventure path. But that's just me guessing. Yeah, yeah especially because they order the, the prints probably pretty close to each other, if not all at once, which mm. means that you know that the color scheme you're using on volumes one, two, three, four, and five, and six all kind of look the same. They're probably going to get printed the same too. But if you go yeah. back later and are like, remix that dye color for me for, you know, to redo parts one and two, they might not come out exactly the same or something. So I don't know. I, I would be concerned about that. Definitely. Hey, you know, speaking of redos, did you hear that Abomination Vaults is coming? Yes. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so Again. Abomination Vaults for fifth edition 
Uh, the big compilation special edition is coming out in the beginning of 2023, and that will be uh, the second the, uh, way that a fifth edition player could continue playing fifth edition, but p playing a Paizo Adventure Path. And the first one, of course, is Kingmaker, which was supposed to have been out a while ago. Um, yeah, it <laughs> just got just got released. So definitely, definitely. Um, I am excited to see how that goes. It was cool to hear that more is coming. I think that'll be yeah. good. It'll get more people to try Paizo products. Sure. And the more people that try Paizo products will mean the more people who will try Paizo games and bring them on. Oh yeah. No, I think it's a great gateway drug. I mean, uh, products to, <laughs> I mean, honestly, just to show what Pathfinder is all about, show what the creative teams can do, show what the freelancers that write on these things, you know, what they can do. And I think it's just, it's a really good way to show off the world of Galarian that is so rich and deep with lore and the talent of all these folks and what they can put together in in an ap so mm -hmm. i'm i'm 100 for it i think it's really exciting yeah uh, so uh go ahead. speaking of going to new places gatewalkers is an adventure Ooh. path that was announced uh which is bizarre and weird and wonderful so mm -hmm. i really this one intrigues me this is the one where i wish i had way too much free time so i could gm it because Gatewalkers is the adventure path where you remember stepping through a strange portal and you're in a strange place, but you have no memory of what you did up to the moment where you found the portal and decided to walk through. And you might remember some of your skills and stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's right. I was a barkeep, but I, I don't remember the name of the bar. And, you know, like I kind of remember some of the patrons and what they look like, but I don't remember any of their names and I can't quite recall their faces. And so it's it's this weird and starting amnesiac thing called Gatewalkers. It is the strange and unusual. And even the cover art has our psychic on it. And I think that this is the sort of odd adventure path that is uh, similar to Strange Aeons from Pathfinder First Edition. I think it fills that sort of niche for Second Edition. Delicious! What a good adventure path. Ten out of ten. Varying it from book one to book six. Uh, Very cool. So good. Yeah, so uh, Mirror Wolf 9 says Gatewalkers is looking to be second edition Strange Aeons without the explicit Cthulhu hooks. I agree with you on that. Uh, Piper Ninja says that uh, they have mixed feelings for this AP and need the right group for it. And I, yeah, you definitely need the right I, group. I feel like it looks like something out of like Heroes or like Umbrella Academy or X-Men, just like people with crazy powers doing crazy things because they haven't said it for certain, but the way they talk about all the players have psychic powers, it makes me think that either everybody is going to get like psychic or thaumaturge as a free archetype feat, or which I think is way more likely the new deviation powers from dark archives are going to be options in this book. And you too will be Cyclops blasting people with punches from the punch dimension. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it does say concussive blast on Cyclops uh -huh. optical visors. I know because uh -huh. I got, uh, I wouldn't say a fight, but I, I got into the argument about that um, on Twitter with some folks. So. Anyway, punches uh, from the punch dimension. No, I went. I found my old '90s X-Men cards that had the the like from from the '90s that had uh, from the cartoon show that had the the X-Men and like a description of their powers and it had Cyclops and on the back it says concussive force blast. There's no heat in that. Mm, definitely. That punches from so, the punch dimension. These other things that are interesting. Uh, Treasure Vault is coming. We got Treasure Vault. We got a little bit more information on Treasure Vault. Uh, all I could find that was announced that was new is that uh, the, the Falcata and Earthbreaker are finally coming back in this book. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what we need. The Listen. Earthbreaker is cool, but the Falcata was, I, I don't know. I have nervousness when it comes to Falcata. I GM'd <laughs> about almost 300 tables of Pathfinder First Edition for organized play. And the Falcata oh. was the like very overpowered. I can't say it because this is a family friendly show. You podcast, uh, you, know, uh-huh. you know, weapon. It was. Yeah. It was nasty. So I'm really curious to see how they've retuned it for second edition, but make it still fun and attractive as, a, as an option. Yeah, we're going to come back to that retuned it for second edition, but still keep it fun because I got comments about things that are retuned for second edition and still fun later. Uh, but uh, apparently there's a picture in Treasure Ga- of Treasure Vault where uh, Fumbus, the iconic alchemist, is eating, is blowing chewing gum and splatters the gum all over his face. I need to know more about this, V. Wait, what? Yeah, there's an item in Treasure Vault where, like, it's a picture of Fumbus chewing chewing gum, and he has blown a bubble, and it has popped all over his little goblin face. Oh my gosh! Let me see if I it exists. That art. It's so good. Like, I, I'm I like, oh, I remember seeing that, but I don't, I don't have it. I don't think that's one of the, one of the slides that I was able to steal. But that's very cool. Yeah, no, I I saw it. I know it exists. It's chewing gum is in this book. Uh, apparently, uh, Mirror Wolf 9 wants me to remind everybody that there are bottled monstrosities, uh, creatures in little bottles that you can throw at people. It sounds like Pokemon, but chips in a bottle. It's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. Bottled monstrosities. That is cool. I like that idea. I wrote one of those for Starfinder. I had a I had an ooze container that could hold any one single ooze of any size in the ooze container, and you could throw it like a grenade-like weapon and be like, grenade, ooze. I love it. Uh, I also saw a picture of a boomerang in the treasure vault. So I don't know what that means, but uh, I'm sure it'll come back to me. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, I think I think I found your picture here. Hold on. Oh, (gasps) have you found the picture of Fumbus and the chewing gum? Fumbus and the chewing gum with boomerang. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I don't know about that. I uh, but that's Aridin stuff. I'm sure Aridin <laughs> will remind us that he's dead and tell us about it. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah, he, he can't shut up about the fact that he's dead or that. Maybe that's just the, the Twitter version of Aridin. But um, yeah, I think the treasure vault's going to be great. There's a lot of decent treasure already from the core rulebook, mm-hmm. but the core rulebook kind of really covered its its very basic bases. You know, it didn't really get into extravagant stuff because you don't have pages for that. And the various adventure paths and stuff have added different interesting treasure. And I think this is going to take all of the best, most popular treasure from all those other sources, put it together, and then add four mm-hmm. times as much. And uh, that's just, really good. I mean, that's what Ultimate Equipment did. It very much seems like the Ultimate Equipment of Second Edition. What's kind mm-hmm. of fun about it is that it is supposed to be the, the treasure vault of a specific dragon. And the whole book is narrated by the dragon's little cobalt assistant that, like, uh, does an inventory of all the equipment so that he knows what all is in there. So that's kind of cute. The best cobalt. I mean, your average cobalt wouldn't do that. Like they just sit there and make a, a trap or something. But that cobalt, that cobalt's golden places. Um, one thing that that cobalt might find in their uh, their uh, treasure vault hoard with their uh, on their really cool underworld dragon is the new premium Haro deck that's coming out uh, and the product yeah. that that premium okay. Haro deck is tied to. Apparently, yes. it's called the Stolen Fate Adventure Path. Yeah, the Stolen Fate with a new deluxe hero deck, which I will absolutely one hundred percent purchase. I will. We will. I I will buy it and I will cherish every card. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, we don't know much about it. I am crossing my fingers that it is the Harrowing, but even crazier. That's what I want out of that Adventure Path. I mean, I the want- Harrowing's pretty intense. 
I want the harrowing, but even crazier. And in my perfect world, Krista Frazier would reprise her role as author for at least one book. I don't know <laughs> if that'll happen, but it would be my deepest she's, wish. She's writing for Bungie, <laughs> Microsoft, yeah. and all sorts of people. She's writing That's for true. DC and Marvel and all sorts of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, do, I, don't, I don't know. That would be cool, though, because that was, that was really neat. I never got a chance to play it, but mm. I was always the person who found out after a group got put together and was like, <laughs> oh, but our group's full. And I was like, oh, that's oh. fine. And then I would hear all about the shenanigans after. So. And you're like, how dare? It's uh, fine. Well, maybe the shenanigans you can get into are in Thuvia with the new Pathfinder Adventure Enmity Cycle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You just know about all the things, don't you? I do. I did lots of research just to be prepared for this show. <laughs> 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 I did a great job. It's almost um, like yeah. you did what I asked you to. Uh, yeah, I mean, woo. <laughs> no, it's good. We we both serve a function. I click all the buttons and you know all the stuff. Uh, Enmity Cycle lo- sounds really cool. Uh, obviously, we're in uh, Thuvia, mm-hmm. which is known for the infamous Sun Orchid Elixir. And therefore, we're not going to talk about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Enmity Cycle, it is in Thuvia. They do make the Sun Orchid Elixir, elixir but this is... Uh, an adventure about the land itself outside of the one thing that they make every year and instead about everything else about this country and like other other interesting things. So we get to go to Thuvia, we get to have some fun without having to worry about that darned elixir. Yeah, Thuvia, Thuvia is a really interesting place. Um, you can r- learn a little bit about Thuvia by reading the uh, the, by the, the short story that accompanies the alchemist who makes that elixir in Lost Omens Legends, where he basically talks that he tried to make that elixir and sell it to jumpstart his homeland's economy, but instead they never made anything of significant export and all the money just stays inside the country and slowly bleeds out. So he's been stuck basically nursing this country with his elixir for eons and i'm really excited to see a look at what that dysfunctional economy looks like in this adventure path this adventure not adventure path hmm, interesting I, i'm uh, very excited i heard it was not about this an elixir and now it is i feel duped uh that's okay so <laughs> um, one thing i want to i want to step on this because this is interesting Wolf nine was talking about the magical hero deck adventure and says mm-hmm. it sounds like a hunt for a magical hero deck that leads into stopping a cult from trying to bring back prophecy now that sounds really cool and very that different from the super harrowing. cool. Because yeah. I mean, like that's an adventure path that has just ramifications for Galarian. Like if they brought back prophecy, because like it being lost omens is like the thing, right? They can't like, succeed because if yeah. they succeed, we have to change the name of all the books. <laughs> Luis Lowe's is like he's like after the next the last book Impossible ends it's Age of Found Omens <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh, we found them never mind the omens were yep. over here they were in this hero deck we're good that's funny um, and then of course after that we have uh, Pathfinder Society started the year of boundless wonder at Gen Con this past weekend that's so if you're cool. interested in the new season then you can now uh accompany the likes of Zarda Draylene and other old faces as they search for artifacts and strange reliquaries. And I am fingers crossed that it's going to go into dark archive territory. Sure seems like it, but uh, let's see what the archaeologists dig up and destroy the planet with this time, shall we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. It's always uh, going to be something in it. And of course, uh, 
uh, for Pathfinder Infinite, the, the Infinite Masters and a couple other Infinite authors oh, have put together a mega bundle. So if you want over $200 worth of cool products uh, in one very convenient bundle, you can go buy it on uh, pathfinderinfinite.com. Lots of great stuff. Uh, it's really great. It's actually also very helpful to all the creators because we get uh, metal rankings from it, from having more copies sold. So uh, it shows how much people uh, buy our product. And it's it's the sweet, sweet serotonin that we all need. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Well, there's so many people making such cool stuff over there. And huge thanks to our very own Kitsune Warlock, Dustin Knight, uh, who helped put this whole thing together. Because uh, I know that he does uh, like a little show or a little spot uh, for Paizo on their channel um, to talk mm -hmm. about all the cool stuff that's out there, which I think is super cool of him. Uh, but he's also able to pull some of that coolest stuff together so that way you can just get it all for one one big one big bundle price. Uh, and I think it's really cool. All right. So I think we hit our our news quota. We spent 45 minutes talking about all the announcements except for the one that you and I are both internally screaming about. And oh, I know I, wait, I know wait, no, I got both. this one. It's okay. uh, wait, hold on. It's um that the booth was slightly smaller at Gen Con. Yep, exactly. Let's talk about booth size. We're going to pull out our rulers and we're going to measure the square footage of the Paizo booth and compare it to less. No, Rage of Elements. Literally, it's all anybody can talk about. Uh, it is oh, the. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is the Gen Con 2023 hardcover book. So next yes. year at Gen Con, A it comes year. out. Yeah. And uh, of course, the reason everybody is so excited is because it was announced that the fan favorite Pathfinder first edition class, the Kineticist, would be making its triumphant return in this book. Yeah. Some people like, do you like Kineticist, Alex? Oh my gosh. Some people I, like them. So I do. My only concern is that my favorite type of Kineticist is not in the playtest and there's no mention of it. So I don't know if it exists. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Okay. <What laughs> I'll talk more about that later. Sure. Okay. The, the Aether cool. kineticist. Oh well, I got I got a I got a reason for that, and I don't think it's going to be there, but we'll get to that. All right, cool. So let's talk about Rage of Elements. Rage of Elements isn't just the kineticist book, although that's what it will be in everyone's mind, and we'll talk about the kineticist playtest mm -hmm. in just a moment. But the Rage of Elements book is elemental everything. It's mm -hmm. about the different planes, the different elemental lords, all the different like cities and stuff. There, it's 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 all the things you would want about elemental coolness elemental i am assuming everything. including like a bunch of spells and archetypes and cool stuff for elemental people yeah i i would imagine we would get lots of new spells for all the spellcasters i would expect more uh, rules for the elemental mage archetype that got added way back in secrets of magic yep. uh, i would say as many elemental things as possible i i am going to say something even crazier i'm gonna guess we're going to get elemental champions for like the elemental cool. lords yeah. Because like, hmm. well, because one know. of the things we know is that this book, similar to Dark Archive, has like a bit of a story that goes with it. Yeah, and okay. what we were told is that back in Pathfinder First Edition in Season 8, the Pathfinder Society successfully freed the Air Elemental Lord Ragnarori from being imprisoned, right? Mm -hmm. They got him out of his the pearl he was sealed in because ages ago, the Elemental Planes went to war where, the, where there was once a good and an evil Elemental Lord of every element. And in the long, long before times, the evil elemental lords of air, earth, fire, and water captured and imprisoned the good ones. And the Pathfinder Society found Ragnarori's pearl and basically took Ragnarori out of it and rescued yeah. him. Yeah, and, and if you played that in first edition, 
you could worship him as your deity, which yes. is awesome. It's very cool. It's very, very awesome. And then, so apparently there has been some type of cosmic update and rebalancing because Ragnarori was freed. And now the elemental planes of metal and wood have suddenly reemerged. Like they were hidden, mm. veiled behind the mists or whatever. Yes, that's it. They were hidden behind the mist. Sure. Yeah. We Stuck don't know why they're hidden. in a pocket of the astral plane that was unable to, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's yeah. fine. A, but, but we now a, have planes of wooden and metal, which is really yeah. cool. So. And uh, I'm very excited to see what this is going to look like, what it's going to be. It all ties in back to the kineticist. Eric mm -hmm. Mona showed some really cool art for the wood elementals and for what they look like. Uh, we also know that the plane of metal has like robotic type constructs, but it's not just robotic type constructs. And they were very, very certain to mention to us that the elemental plane of metal also is a plane of rust and decay, which is honestly closer to Chinese uh, uh, elemental philosophies. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the name for it. I think it's Wudang or something like that. But essentially, a, a, a metal is the element of decay in the Chinese elemental system. So like metal rust and decays and returns to a kind of a state of nothingness. And so uh, based on what they've said in the, um, the, the keynote speech and what we've heard in subsequent speeches, it sounds like they hired cultural consultants for the planes of elemental wood and metal in order yeah. to make sure that they properly uh, showed off that elemental system. Uh, I'm very excited about this book. So chat's helping you out once again. It's whooshing elementalism. Whooshing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's I, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, and of course, we know it's going to be cool because today on August 8th, 2022, in the year of whatever it is in Pathfinder Society now, uh, <laughs> we have a kineticist playtest document. Yes, I have it oh, in, my, in my digital hands. <laughs> I I opened this book and I was like, all right. I got to see what you what, what this is going to look like, and I usually have a feel of how of how my base reaction to a class in like after reading the first <laughs> couple paragraphs. I got through like three pages, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this is good. This is real good. This is this is the most innovative thing you've done with this system, Paizo." Like, I think it's it's pretty oh. cool. Uh, I kind of like their take on it. So if you remember in first edition, the kineticist was all about spell-like abilities, which in yeah. these days we just call innate spells. And uh, as some folks might know and might not, uh, I myself wrote a conversion called the Legendary Kineticist for Legendary Games that mm -hmm. also took that strategy, right, of giving you these innate cantrips, because cantrips you can use as much as you want, and now cantrips scale. So they kind of work perfect for elemental blasts and just said, okay, you can get these innate cantrips and they get more powerful yeah. and here's some cool things you can do with them. Well, they took a whole different, a different approach for the official kineticist. And I am intrigued. I am... Mm, you'll get more of my opinions as we go. I don't want to blurt it out all at once, but yeah. it's it's interesting. So what they did is they kind of used uh, they kind of used a, an almost alchemist chassis. Like your hit points are still eight instead of you know or whatever. So it's is that how many the alchemist gets? I'm now blinking. I think look. it's a little bit closer to thaumaturge, especially in terms of like attack bonus progression. No, um, it's close to no. It's it's almost it's almost. Power, power, power alchemist. I think so they get master where alchemist doesn't get master. I think that's the difference. I was reading about Maybe. it on Reddit. I was looking at it earlier and it's almost exactly identical to when alchemist gets armor bonuses, when alchemist gets, and what types, when alchemist gets class bonuses, when it gets weapon 
you know, basic attack bonuses. Those mm-hmm. it, it's very on par with the alchemist actually. Um, which I think is smart. It's, it's close to like the ranger, but the rangers got a slight edge because the alchemist doesn't get like weapon specialization, but the kineticist mm. does. And what they do is they almost in some ways treat your kinetic power, your kinetic blasts like a weapon. Yeah. It's like a weird mix of being a weapon and a spell because like wearing hand wraps increase the die and it counts as a natural attack for most effects, but not all effects. But you can also like enemy spellcasters can counteract it and it can also be enhanced by things that enhance like magic of specific traits. One of the things that's really interesting and it'll be interesting to see if they keep this or not, but currently the way it's worded, if the blast uses gets your elemental trait, which it does according to the new impulse trait, it means that you can actually put conductive on your hand wraps of mighty fist and then blast people and then trigger the conductive power off of your blast, which isn't something that any other weapon can do because weapon strikes don't usually get the, the trait that associated with them. Conductive lets you like use a free action to gain bonus damage on your next trait after you use an element. So mm. uh, it'll be interesting to see if that sticks, but oh, okay. uh, this class is fascinating. I absolutely love it. Interesting rules interaction. Yeah, there were a couple other things that I was like, that is interesting. I wonder if you could do blank. And I and I haven't. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out there now. I, as we go through, we're going to say that's interesting. Can you do that? Or that's interesting. How would that work? I challenge you, dear listener, to join our Discord if you're not on it already. And go chat about this new book and the channels there with folks and share your builds and the various tricks and things that you're doing. Because I am really curious about how this all works. Um, There's just, I don't know, there's just so much to talk about. There's just so many ways you can do things. There's a way to make an improvised weapon from like heating up an element. And then I thought, Mm. what happens if you combine that with improvised weapon master? Is that like a a beneficial way to go or not? Like, I'm just not sure. Uh, Because you can also... All right, let's just dig in because you can also, so so we talk about how the kineticist uses almost a spell type ability um, called gather element. It's a conjuration ability, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has the primal trait. So there's the pseudo magical elements to it. It doesn't seem magic, but it's got conjuration and primal. And mm-hmm. you use what they're talking about is this inner gate. The inner gate is like your inner conduit in, in your body, in your person mm-hmm. that connects to one or more elemental planes and allows you to channel these elements through you. So it, it has a very specific flavor in terms of how you're getting your elemental power. And, yeah, it and, reminds me. Oh, I'm sorry, God. No, it's all right. I was going to say, so you gather this element through your elemental gate, uh, mm-hmm. which is just making it manifest in your hand or swirling around your body, and then you use that to do stuff. So as you have it gathered, then you can make attacks with it. As you have it gathered, you can do these other things. And sometimes you expend that gathered element, you have to gather it again, Um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you can just use it over and over. It's kind of cool. So one of the things that I find fascinating about this class is that the original Kineticist debuted in occult adventures. So it was Mm -hmm. flavored as an occult class, which is why when Dark Archive came out, I was very much like, uh, I get occultists was people liked occultists because there were a lot of weapon builds for the occultists that were very broken in first edition. Uh, and I get psychic as one you have to do because there's no spontaneous occult spellcaster. I, and, but I was like, I don't understand why they wouldn't have put 
the kineticists. That was the most popular class by far in, uh, in, in all of it. And then you see it here in range of elements and it makes sense because one thing that they've done specifically is that they've reflavored the kineticist from something that is occult powered to something that is primal powered. Uh, you get, you become yeah, trained in sense. it does. No, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying yeah, that that's no, great. great. Yeah. It makes um, absolute sense considering how they've now redefined sort of the magical, magical schools beyond just primal yeah. or, or beyond uh, uh, arcane and divine. Yeah. So like you, you become trained in nature, which is like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like that you use that for all the naturey things, like in all the spells and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. the, the inner gate stuff fascinates me too. Uh, my mm -hmm. familiarity with it isn't like super well-known, but it reminds me of the anime ReZero where in ReZero, all of the characters in ReZero have innate, like not necessarily body parts, but almost like points in their body's intersection for like spiritual energy. And those yeah. gates where those intersections happen determines what type of magic they can channel. And it's like sure. their conduit of harnessing it. Yeah, so, so like it for me, very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels very anime to me. And I, I love, I love how they took the time to build into this feature that you can either have a gate that is only for channeling one element that can combine two elements together into a composite, or you're just the avatar and you have, you're a master of all four elements, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm curious if they change that or, or mess around with this, but I think that's really interesting because that is absolutely how I saw people build kineticists in first edition mm -hmm. is either they were like, no, I'm a fire kineticist and I only do fire and I never take anything else. And I'm fire, fire, fire all the way. And they say, okay, so they've got to build that. It's a dedicated gate where that's all you do, but you get a bunch mm -hmm. of bonus feats for it. And you even get some specialized feats and powers that you can pick up because you're dedicated that allow you to do more things with your element than other kineticists can do. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I saw a lot of, because in first edition, you uh, at some point you got an additional element. So you'd start with one and then you got an additional later. And then so oftentimes people would plan on building around two different things and they'd say, well, I'm going to take air and electricity or I'm going to take like, you know, air and water and I become the rainstorm or something. Mm -hmm. Sure, fine. Um, and so they gave you the dual gate, which starts you off with both elements, which is pretty cool. So if your concept is I am the storm incarnate, you can start with water and air and do that from the start, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's I love it. It's actually yeah. it's fantastic. It's yeah. very good. Um, and then universal gate. Uh, for the playtest gives you access to four elements, which are earth, fire, air, and water. Uh, they There's no hint at what they're going to do with wood and metal other than saying that they will be in the final book. They're just not included in this playtest. And it makes, also says there's yeah. likely be some hybrid impulses using hybrid multiple impulses. elements. Yeah. Like, OMG. Yeah. That's very, be very excited. Cool. Well, like I talked about the rainstorm, right? So you might yeah. be able to create a rainstorm if you have water and air and, okay, cool, you're the storm. You might get magma abilities if you have earth and fire. Who knows? Yeah. One thing that is interesting is the third type is that element, uh, universal gate that you're talking about, which, as you said, makes you the avatar, where you have all four elements off the bat to do whatever you want with. Yeah. Do, before we get too much further, I want to go back for a second. Sure. Because uh, we kind of we kind of buzzed right by it, but... The key ability for this is constitution, which um, we had a first time a person in chat, Kesrick, say that I read that uh, uh, they did a double yeah. take when they saw the key ability was constitution. And yes. I think, yeah, I think that's really to honor the original kineticist, but well, there's some there's some story reasons too. 
well, the, yeah, also like now if it's about like harnessing gates in your body, your body needs to be able to handle that energy in order to keep the gate between you and the elemental plane open. Your constitution mm-hmm. is how how well your body can handle the strain of being a walking hole in reality. <laughs> so uh, I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to see that. Uh, Paper Ninja in chat says MP, uh, NPC kinetics would be a huge impact on the world. And like like a lot of things, once the the rules for it are out, the NPCs start to kind of pop up here and there. Uh, but yeah, they absolutely would be a huge impact. Um, someone asked if the metal kineticist is a full metal alchemist. No, nope, only if they did. take alchemist dedication. Yes, that's right. Metal with alchemist dedication, you can be a full metal alchemist. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, people are talking a lot about the, the con, and I want to address that for a moment. Mm-hmm. So you're building your kineticist. Your key ability is constitution, so that is the only one that can start as an 18, right? Because that's the bonus you're going to get for, for your key ability score, and the max of anything else is 16. But you mm-hmm. need dex and or strength in order to, like, attack things with your blast. By default, dex for range and strength for melee. The, mm-hmm. the blasts do give you options. Um, two of them have finesse uh, for the melee by default, which is air and fire, but none of them have the brutal uh, trait for ranged by default. And brutal is the one where you get to use strength on your attack roll for a ranged attack. I'm expecting to see that on air at some on on Earth at some point. Like well, I, here's what's curious though. So so let's just I, take it one step at a time. So I want folks like that mm-hmm. are driving or whatever to be able to follow all this, right? So. So you can only start with a maximum of 18 in your, on your con. Cool. But then you need either or both of strength and dex. So all of a sudden, that's like all of your starting ability points. And you've just mm-hmm. made a himbo because <laughs> you don't have any mental stats at all, um, which is interesting. Although I guess you need charisma to be a himbo. So who knows? But like, it, it's really punishing. It's very what we call multiple attribute dependent or mad. Mm-hmm which by default is a little bit aggravating. There's other classes. Um, Champion comes to mind that's fairly multi-attribute dependent. Uh, If you're playing a monk who also wants to do a lot of key blasts and stuff, then you are also multi-attribute dependent because you need wisdom. But the kineticist is out of the gate just because it's going to want high constitution. It's its key ability. Uh, But then you're also going to want good strength and or good decks. Now, they give you one saving grace, not just with air and fire having... Finesse, which is super useful, but the saving grace is there is a first, here we go, first level feat called Flexible Blasts, which is Mm. any melee elemental blast you make can have the finesse trait, and you can give any ranged elemental blast you make brutal. So you can Mm. use strength for your attack roll. So this is, I wanted to talk to you, Alex, about the design implications of this and the decision, because I find this really curious that they didn't just do this from the start or build this in. It's a first level feat. Yeah, it's a first level feat, so you can start with it and make it work for your build. But like, you're still not going to start with an 18. Your math is going to be behind. Even if you say, I'm going to be a dex-based person, um, you're still not going to be up there. And it is also interesting in that the elemental blasts themselves seem to be balanced differently. Like, they do wildly different damage. Air does a d4, fire does a d6, and those are the two that start with finesse by default. And then mm-hmm. you do D8s for both fire and water, which don't have finesse. Yeah, I I think personally that 
that ability feels a bit like a tax like like oh man if i don't take this feat then i'm not going to be able to do both and i don't know if that's kind of what they're intending but it does hurt that constitution is arguably the most boring ability score in the game in that it's necessary to have hit points but it doesn't do anything else besides hit points and fortitude saves like at least with charisma you add that to all of your social checks so when you Mm -hmm. roll a die to influence somebody and it works you're like yeah but the only thing you roll constitution for is your fortitude and you know and on top of that even if you like it's like one of the things that gets brought up a lot with the kineticist is that uh, some of the abilities use the class dc and that goes off of your constitution because right, you would yes, add your key ability true. to that but even that's not an active part of the game it's oh and it's an- not it's not enough yeah. of your abilities you're constantly using it and you can be like i don't care as much about strength and dex because i'm just going to do the thing where i use constitution all the time for my class yeah. dc you don't really have that build option so from the get-go, at a minimum, you're going to have to pick either strength or dex to go off of. And most people will probably pick one or the other and then take that feat at first level mm-hmm. as a feat tax. Yeah, totally. Um, which is, hmm, I don't know if I want to call it interesting. I think it's a thing. Uh, because yeah. one of the things I wanted to point out is like, in a, the, the kineticist technically has a new type of feat in addition to kineticist feats. It has impulse feats. Mm-hmm. And impulse, basically, you get a category of impulse feats that goes with your element, right? And when you make your decision on whether you channel one element through your gate, you have a dedicated gate, two elements via dual gate, or th- all of them with universal, the number, what you choose is how many feats you get. So if you only have one element, you gain all four of the first level impulse feats for your that element. If you have a dual gate, you only, or you get three out of the four, not all four. If you have a dual gate, you get two feats, but one has to be of one element and one has to be of the other. And if you get universal, it works like flexible studies where every day during your daily preparation you pick one element and gain the first level feet from that element so like i it just there's a lot of questions with how feats work with this class because it's not mm-hmm. like you're not going to have feats at first level yeah. but there are only four first level feats in the play test which means if you have two kineticists of the same element side by side that are both dedicated they're all going to have one all but one of those feats it's going to feel very samey very quickly and well, but also, we also know that a, in a play test, they only give us about half of the options they're planning because they want to mm. keep it focused. Like they've said yeah. before, oh, we didn't keep these like kind of boring, obvious options because we want you to play with the interesting ones and tell us what you think about the interesting ones. And if they give us, quote unquote, boring options, then, uh, you know, that might be like easy to take or useful things that are passive abilities or get rid of a penalty or something like that. If you take those, uh, then it's not telling them as much about the the game as they want. So they purposefully don't include those so that you are forced to basically focus on the more interesting and possibly situational feats so that way they can get feedback on those. Definitely. I almost wish that Flexible Blast, hear me out was an impulse that all kineticists had at first level so when you are attacking with your kinetic blast you could like add this impulse to the blast and that would use your expended gathered energy but maybe it would let you switch the ability score from strength or dex to constitution yeah but then you have to keep gathering it and then that sounds like a bigger tax than just taking a feat mm. honestly it i don't know that i love it um 
going through these basic four elements, some of them make yeah. sense. So if you look at air, air has a ridiculously long range of 120 feet for the ranged, and mm-hmm. it's got both finesse and agile. So it's all about making a bunch of attacks mm-hmm. is fine. Uh, and you have a ton of range with it. And if you happen to do melee, you're still using decks anyway. If you want to be the dexiest best air user. Cool. So that one doesn't bother me. That one looks great. Um, and we look at fire and it's similar. It's got a good range of 60 feet. That's that's really good. Uh, and it also has agile and finesse. Okay, cool. And like they have some other stuff too. So I should find whatever. But in terms of the, the ability score dependencies also looks good. It's very dex focused that that looks like it's going to be a dex build which you'd also expect from fire probably Mm -hmm. earth and i'm going to do water last but earth is like the big strong heavy thing right earth is heavy it is Mm -hmm. it is weighted uh it is a load and so the range increment on the range is only 20 feet which is like well sure it's very short range because it's heavy it's gonna gravity is going to affect it um, and it doesn't have either agile nor finesse. It is definitely just like, yes, you want strength for this. I would think that it just needs brutal and it's done. If you put brutal mm-hmm. on there, then you can be like, yeah, cool. That's obviously a strength build. If you're going to be an earth kineticist, you want like, you know, a geokineticist, you want those big ass muscles. So you, when you manifest rock, you can still lift it and hurl it at somebody, um, mm-hmm. or swing it around and hit them. And so you need strength. I would be 100% with that. And then the only wild card is water, which kind of like Earth uh, has a bad range of 30 feet and it doesn't have agile nor finesse and very much looks like a strength build, but I could like see a dex build. So I would almost want them to add Brutal to Earth and water for the ranged abilities, touch nothing else, and then change your flexible blasts into like basically keep the feet as it is, except only allow it to work with water and adjust the the wording or give you some extra benefit. And what I might do is the extra benefit is be like, when you make a water blast, uh, you can add these traits and also you can add non-lethal. If like you may add the non-lethal trait to either mm. a ranged or melee blast. And that would make water the non-lethal element and allow it to then work both with, like if you were a dual elemental, mm. Right. If you if you had a dual gate, you could grab any of the other elements and water, which I think is more interesting and make that kind of the flexible one. I wish I I have two I have two wishes wish lists for this one. Number one for water. When I think of water kineticist, the character I always think of is Katara from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Right. Yeah. To me, Katara is the iconic waterbender, and. Katara is not a muscle bound, super strong character. She's dex, she's lithe, she bends and she flows and moves gracefully like water. And water does not have finesse. <laughs> like you cannot do a melee finesse build with water, which does not feel true to that character to me, which I think that I would I would prefer. Like I, I'm not 100 percent right. well, sure with, what the without that feat though, right? Cause, yeah. Because water and, and here's the other thing I might do too is is I, oh by the way, if I if if it was me designing this and I was making these changes, I would also lower the water dice down from a D eight to a D six. Definitely. And so I, that I, I would, kind of mimicked a, like a, almost like a strength build of fire that could also be dex if you wanted and took that one feat. Mm-hmm. And I would say by p- taking that feat, you would then be like Katara, where you're like using flowing water instead of like the brutal strong rapids right because when yeah. i think of it as a strength i think of i think of rapids i think of the fire hose you know what i mean <laughs> you try to hold a fire hose you need to be stalwart you need to have 
lots of, of arm strength and lots of strength in your hands to grip that hose and make sure it doesn't get away from you. Like it takes strength to wield water. And even though we saw a version of it with, through Katara that does it through finesse, I don't know that that's necessarily the rule. And I think both are correct, which is why I would have a feat that adds the the extra options, adds the finesse options, the non-lethal options mm. to it and and do that. Uh, Mirwolf thinks that it should stay a D8 and make Earth a D10. I'd be okay with that too. So then here's a question for you then. Do you think Toph is a strength-based strength Earthbender in as she's portrayed in Avatar Last Airbender? Uh, I think it's done differently. Um because they don't have to pick up the rock and move it but i can see that i mean perhaps she got a lot of she got a lot of strength she's definitely not big but yeah mm-hmm. uh Titan 99 is asking why can't the elemental blast just use con for attack and damage i mean casters use their primary stats for spells anyway and that is the that is the tactic i used for legendary kineticist because they were a primal caster and their main thing was con and then everything was a cantrip. So it just worked out that mm-hmm. way. And people were like, that's silly. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, Mirror Wolf 99.9 says top is very much a strength build, uh, small, but strong. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of different options, but, but again, I think maybe because there's so many options is why they put in flexible blasts and went, everyone can be strength or dex or strength, you know, strength or dex build. We don't care. Uh, but I don't know. I, I do kind of, as much as I don't like design that pigeonholes people, I wouldn't mind it to give each of the elements a little more personality. That's fair. Um, I'm hoping maybe with some new feats, we'll see some of that too. Yeah. Uh, overall, I I actually really like the design for the kineticist. I like the the the, the mechanic of gathering energy and then spending it with uh, overflow actions. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it creates kind of a a gameplay cadence that is different from any other class in mm-hmm. the game right now, which I think yeah. is important because the game kind of already has, it's like, it's kind of burner bust classes. And I also think that like, at least when I played my kineticist, the point of the game was to try to use all, as many abilities as possible without burning yourself. Mm-hmm. So like I, I've seen some people who are upset that burn is gone, but I personally yeah. don't know that I thought burn was very interesting to begin with. So for those of you coming in just on second edition and didn't play this class in first, burn was a mechanic in first edition where you would take a uh, non-lethal damage that could not go away by any means except mm-hmm. for like an eight hour rest, uh, an all night rest. Uh, and then it would go away and it would reset for the next day. But it was the way that you would basically spend your own hit points as a resource in order to do cooler things. And as you spent more and more burn, you also got more and more powerful. So Mm -hmm. it made you from super tanky, I have way too much constitution, but I also have some blasty spells, to oh my gosh, I do so much damage with these blasty spells, but I only have a tiny bit of hit points because I spent it all on burn. Um, so that's uh-huh. what they did in first, and it was very interesting from a mechanical side. Uh, it was definitely unique to the system, and I think they're looking to do a unique thing in second edition that doesn't just say, oh, but screw your hit points. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so I, I agree. I kind of like it. They've done similar stuff with you have it or you don't with like panache in the swashbuckler. Like, oh, you have panache or you don't. And while you have panache, you get bonuses. And when the panache goes, and then you can spend the panache with a finisher and do something big and cool. And that's kind of what they're doing here, actually. So you gather your element, which is 
only one action and you, it looks like you can do it as much as you darn well please. So you mm-hmm. gather element and then you have it in hand. And when it's in hand, you can do blasts, you can do things. And if it has the overflow trait, you expend it. So you're like, okay, I did this big cool thing and now I don't have the element gathered anymore. So I have to spend an action to gather it. Mm-hmm. They've also given you a bunch of other options in here. Um, I'm, I'm going to point out one that is like a must because it's is so good it is almost too good. Um, where you can gather your element straight from the battlefield uh, while attacking an enemy, and I'm looking for it. I don't... <laughs> that sounds very cool, though. Um, Hold on. Uh, I seem to be missing it. Shoot. I wonder if it was an ability that was in here. Oh, it's Extract Element. I was looking in the feet section, and it's actually just a class ability. Mm. So Extract Element is what you do when you're a fire kineticist and you're up against a fire elemental. And it's immune to all fire. And you're like, well, now I can't do anything. And that was a big problem in first edition. Mm-hmm. And you, Which is why a lot of first edition like tactics where you always need expanded element. You always need something else to go to. And it generally that thing you should get should be your opposite. But those choices were entirely mechanical based on how the game was built. Now, mm-hmm. granted, there were far more things that were highly resistant or immune to elements in first edition than, than in second. But still, it was something you had to account for. And even though that is less of a problem in, for, in in second edition, it's still something you need to account for. And so they gave you for free at third level extract element. And extract yeah. element says, all right, cool. So you're gonna you're gonna choose an element that you can channel and a creature of elemental nature, which uh elemental nature of a creature to weaken you. And I think it just says it has a trait matching the element. So mm-hmm. even if it's like a uh, extra planar creature from say the plane of fire since that's where we're going it doesn't have to be a fire elemental it could just be some other creature that has the fire trait a freedy or something and you're like oh you have the fire trait and you can use extract element it's only one action it's not an attack it doesn't say attack so it doesn't hurt your multiple attack penalty mm-hmm. and as long as they don't they, they get a fortitude save and as long as they don't crit succeed succeed on it you get to do your thing now, it does a tiny bit of damage. Crit success means no damage, no no special, anything. You just wasted your action. You can always do it again, but you just wasted your action. As long as you succeed, uh, like if, if, if the creature succeeds at their fortitude save or fails or crit fails, they take a tiny bit of damage, but then you get to gather, this is so cool, you get to gather the element that you're channeling, that they're made of, and you have it. So now you have a piece of that creature, which means... All of your, in this case fire, all of your fire attacks against that fire element ignore its immunity to the fire. Because you beat it with its own body. Because you beat it with <laughs> its own body. You're taking its <laughs> substance, what it is made of, and then using that to attack it. And so no longer, let's see, let's look at this. Uh, target, even if it's normally immune, the target also takes up circumstance penalties on saves and armor class against your attacks. Uh, and if it normally has resistance that apply to one of your impulses, ignore the resistance. Like it basically just says when you do this, this is what's so cool. You're like the master of the elements. Oh, we talked about this. No, no, you are the master of the elements. You're like, hey, elemental, stop attacking me. You know what? Give me some of your body. Even if you succeed, I don't on your save. I don't care. I got a little bit of it anyway. And now I'm going to use that channel that against you to beat the snot out of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's the same number of actions as Gather Element. There's no so, reason to do Gather Element over this other than the guaranteed success. 
So Pinogram in chat says, I have a nitpick that I can't extract element from a stone golem. That's actually not true. If you go to page eight, it there's a sidebar about elemental natures. Mm -hmm. And for earth, it says the creature has the earth trait or is primarily made of rock, sand, dirt, or other earthen material. A stone golem qualifies for that. You can, you can extract element out of a stone golem. You could just be like, hey, I need some rocks from my rock bending. Eh, throw these rocks back at you. And by what it's saying, it should become like it should lose any immunity to your attacks. So you're like, mm -hmm. oh, but I do earth and it is bludgeoning and the bludgeoning says I need adamantine. We don't know. You you bypass it all. Yeah. You're taking and part of the stone golem and beating it with its own bits. And it's also worth noting that extract element doesn't have the impulse trait, which means it's not a spell that like thing. Yeah. Like, because the impulse trait specifically talks about how those abilities are like spells. Yeah. And it doesn't the, have the it magic. Yeah. It's not impulse. Yeah. So. Like, I don't remember if stone golems have immunity to magic in this edition. Uh, Dustin hasn't tried to beat me, beat me over the head with one yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it does, then that doesn't matter because it doesn't have the impulse tag. So it's just an ability. You're yeah. just ripping rocks out of that rock guy and throwing them back in his face. <laughs> you, are, you are better at fighting elements, like elementals and elemental type creatures that match your element than other creatures that don't. This does have the really funny side effect that because this is a class DC and it's constitution based, if you con is your highest stat, it's actually easier to rip some a piece of somebody out of an enemy's body than it is to actually hit them with your blast a lot of the times. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, come here. I'm taking I'm taking you apart. Yeah. So it's okay. So I'm going to go back to the balance and build of this class. I know we're doing a big deep dive. Our episode might go long today. I apologize for people that don't like these huge class discussions, but you've got two designers talking about a new class that they're both super hype over. And yeah. anytime I have a criticism, I also want to point out, I am very supportive of this, this class. I am glad oh, that so it cool. is made. I think it is done in a very cool way, but I can't stop my designery brain from like picking it apart. And as a news reviews and interviews <laughs> podcast, uh, the, this is the review part of that. And because... I didn't have literally anything to do with the creation of this. I've had a lot of people ask me because they know I'm like queen of the kineticists. Oh, did you did you help write the playtest? No, that was all the that was all as far as I know. Logan Bonner. I'm not sure specifically which designer. I know Logan Bonner is in charge of the Rage of Elements book though. But that is all the design team. Um, they are they are the ones putting this playtest mm -hmm. together. They're putting that book together. This is 100% them. I'm not yeah. working on Rage of Elements at this time. I have not been asked to. So this is a, a pure review that i can finally do yeah so, that said I'm, I'm gonna have some i'm gonna have some things that i think we should do and it's a play test so we're actually invited to do that so anyone who's like oh my gosh vanessa's being so mean because it's not hers i actually really love this class i just have questions all right so that said um i did want to uh oh gosh see I, I went off on a tirade and i got lost um well shoot we're talking about extract element okay so I love the idea that as a pyrokineticist in first edition, you would have been amazing at fighting anything unless it has resistance or immunity to fire. And mm -hmm. if that so, <laughs> there's one ability that you could pick up as an option that you could kind of do okay against those creatures. In this edition, they've said, you know what? If it's a fire-based creature, not just like it's a demon that's a little resistant to fire, like that doesn't count. But if it's like a if it's a fire slug or something and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, fire slug, I'm going to take parts of you because I am the master of fire and use that essence of your own body to attack you. And you can't do anything. In fact, I'm better at attacking you than anything else. I think that's cool. But I have, I have, I have a problem. Alex, uh -oh. I don't remember what problem. it was. 
if you remember at the beginning, yeah, we talked about the chassis that the, the kineticist sits on, right? Yeah. If we look at the other classes, where does it fit on the Marshall to Caster spectrum? And it fits at Alchemist. And Alchemist is somewhere a little south of Marshall's and a little bit north of of uh, uh, spellcasters on that caster to Marshall spectrum. It also looks a lot like the Ranger, but the Ranger is slightly more Marshall. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. This class is all about blasting things with elemental power, yes? Yep. And we talked it, about it, the multiple attribute dependency. We have. You're talk Even if you get that feet tax, you're attacking with a secondary attribute, something that starts at a 16, that at fifth level you finally get to to 18 and you have your plus four, cool. But when you hit 10th level, you can get con up to a plus five and your main setting is still a plus four. Like it's always gonna lag behind. And the math is so tight in Pathfinder. Here's my beef. The main thing you do is on a substandard build of the class. No, it's it's about the same as the fighter. Okay, cool. I would have really liked to see the, the levels at which your proficiencies go up and such help you with that discrepancy in math where you're you're minus one for the first four levels of the game and then you're you're okay but then you're minus one again for levels 10 through 14 and then you're okay and you know what i'm saying and then you're like you're okay mm -hmm. and then you're the same until you hit 20 and you're always just a, like like a half a point behind basically and that's yeah that's something i would have liked to have seen them ad address and by putting it on an alchemist chassis it's not really doing that I kind of feel that a lot of the powers that you see that the Kenneth's gets, they aren't really like, because if this class is supposed to be a support utility class, like Alchemist yeah. and uh, evident by the fact that it uses the Alchemist chassis, then like, why are most of the impulses combat? Like the, the 19th level, the 18th level ability for fire, which is absolutely one of the coolest ability names in this game. Let me go ahead and uh, preface with that because the ability I'm referring to is all shall end in flames where you literally burn everything around you in a, in a, in a and I quote, cataclysmic sphere of death. <laughs> um, that ability does 10D, 76 fire damage, heightens to 8d10 at 20th level like that doesn't sound like a cataclysmic sphere of death to me that sounds like a a mild inconvenience of hot times for that level granted if you're a low level commoner you're going to get incinerated i mean that's, that's pretty fault. apocalyptic yeah. for, <laughs> for yeah. your random townie but yeah yeah but like i don't know like that's an average of 35 damage at level 18 like that i i mean my experience at high level play in pathfinder is great but that doesn't sound like an apocalyptic cataclysmic sphere of death to me. <laughs> um, yeah. And there's just a lot of places where the class feels like it wants to be the boom, boom, explode damage class, but it doesn't do it. it doesn't and it's do all, it. it's almost like it's held back by the fact that spellcasters have to cast spells with actual resources. And this class yeah. could just blast all day whenever it wants to. So um, one of the ways that they fix that with the with the alchemist because the alchemist needs to blast all day if it's using bombs. If you're a, if you're a bomb based yeah. alchemist, you need a slight you need to fix that chance to hit so it's on par. And you're only off by like one point, like we talked about, right? Because alchemists have the same problem. They're in base, but you want to attack with dexterity, right? Mm -hmm. And they fixed it with them by giving them the bomber's eye elixir at low levels and eventually an item that just gives you a plus one and circumstance bonus to attacks, right? Yeah, definitely. I think 
I think the kineticist needs something like that. Oh, you can use hand wraps and get your butt. Yeah, I know you can get item bonuses from hand wraps, but so can rangers and all of the things. And if a ranger is going to shoot you with a bow and they're 100% dex based and you're like secondarily dex based, half of the time you're playing the game, they're they're going to have a better shot to hit than you. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. And so I, I just, I don't know. I And if you give them a plus one, now you're going to have, a, it's, it's messy. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Because... If, if you did get like that bomber's eye, but it was, I don't know, kineticist's eye, um, you know, the kineticist fo- focusing bracers or something, I'm not sure what you would call them, and got that plus one circumstance bonus, now you're going to be ahead of the ranger for half the game with a plus one. And I don't know how to get around that while keeping I, constitution your primary class ability. I almost wish that this class said that you could add like, half of your charisma or charisma half of your constitution to like your attack your attack your strikes attack rolls and damage rolls up to a specific modifier number that was balanced around the highest possible number you can have at a given level so like almost like what soul fire does for the solarian in in uh mm-hmm. in starfinder you know what i'm saying Just uh, to for those to, to back yeah yeah I, I know that this is a pathfinder show so i'm going to explain very quickly what i mean uh i am from starfinder world and in starfinder we have a class called the solarian that's basically the space jedi and it has the same problem its key stat is charisma but it wants to be hitting things with its sword and that means that you are probably not going to max out either of those and you're going to be behind mathematically so they've designed a a basically a, a property rune for your weapon your soul your solar weapon that adds half of your charisma to your strength for damage rolls and to yeah. make up for this gap and like i kind of think that that's what this needs like the the kineticist yeah. just needs to say like you can have this up to the number where it's balanced and you just kind of use both of them and i feel like that would help because that way you're not seeing every kineticist has no strength and no uh, dexterity because they mm-hmm. still need that because like you yeah. you would still want some of it but i i think that would help the problem yeah it I, could definitely help the problem there i just i I don't know how they're going to get out of that design niche. And the only other way I can think of to do it is to take a page from the monk, right? Mm -hmm. Where you say, okay, your key ability score is strength or dex. You choose. But note that you also, that your, your class DC is not based on that. It is instead based on constitution. That's true. That's that's the way you get around it. Uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. Because then, then you can get to a point where you're like, Constitution's still important. They're still con-based. You have these gates in your body. You have to have a strong body to like better channel the stuff, sure. But it, it fixes that attack roll problem. And then you're on par with a ranger and there's no problem. You don't need to do whatever else. And you just go, yeah, use strength or dex. Now, the reason they probably don't want to, or, or con to damage as Mirror Wolf 9 is saying in chat, because mm-hmm. you need, I don't know, you need something. Like right now, I don't know, strength to damage is kind of cool because you're doing melee attacks. Maybe they make a new weapon trait that gives you con to damage or something or some rule or feet dump or whatever. Mm. I don't know. But you could do something like that. And I think that will fix all of the attack roll math and, and still I, make con important. I also don't know like if it would hurt the kineticist that much to have con not be the key focus because like sure they have a lot of abilities that use the class tc but like the bread and butter is still the the blasting with strikes. Yeah. Like so, I mean, like, that's the thing that you're going to be using most of your actions for round yeah. per round. That's sure. the thing that needs to be good or you're going to feel like you're not having a positive play feel experience. 
Yes. Yes. You're going to, you're going to be frustrated, especially anytime you miss by one and you're going to be like, yeah, I just, I just don't have a high enough bonus. If I had that guy's bonus, I'd be mm -hmm. doing fine. So that's the thing I think they need to fix. Otherwise it's going to feel a little frustrating as you're playing it. I think the monk solution is probably the best way to go. Yeah. Uh, you could even include con as a class ability. If people really want to be super tough kineticist person with the highest DCs in the land. Sure. Um, but because constitution is only used in class DC, which is only used in a, in a handful of abilities compared to the number of attack rolls you're making. And it's used in a few things on like, like there's a, a feat where you can exclude a number of creatures from your aura from like, you can get a kinetic kinetic aura where there's like elemental swirling around you doing something. Mm -hmm. And there's a feat you can get that allows you to exclude people kind of like the, the, channeling feet that lets you do the same thing and exclude people from like your positive channels or something. So yeah. or negative channels. So you could say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just say, uh, you're, you know, now, now con is important for that feat. Cause if it's only a 14, well, that's only two people. Mm -hmm. I think all of those solutions are good ones. Uh, hopefully the, uh, everybody goes and gives good feedback so that the designers can uh, improve and iterate on the kineticist so that it has a positive play experience at everybody's tables and everybody loves yeah. it because the the bones of this class, the, the, the foundational yeah. stuff is great. Like one thing that we haven't talked about that I love sure. is that the, uh, I mentioned before how the gates are, give you bonus feats based on like how focused oh, yeah. your gate is, you get more. And it reminds me of how spell tricks work. Uh, oh, yeah. Like how it's one feat that gives you a whole bunch. I love that. It's so cool. Uh, I'm I'm here for this class. I just need to see a little bit of adjustment in order to make this like chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff in here. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've been more and more on the air side of elements lately, just really interested in them. And one of the first level feats they get is an aerial boomerang. You get a 60 foot line at first level, which is I love incredible. It. It's only 2d4 so damage, but it's aerial boomerang. So you throw the thing and then it stays in place for a bit and then it comes back. <laughs> My problem is that I love all of these. Like they're all so good. Like yeah. there's a, there's a very clear Dr. Stone reference in rebirth in living stone where you basically become a rock that walks around and, and moves. Uh, you have uh, really awesome abilities in the water. Like uh, I love usurp the lunar rains where you just take the tides away from the moon. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then fire has just some of the most edgiest uh, names. I love them. Solar detonation, ignite the sun, arrive in conflagration. <laughs> all shall end in flames like someone <laughs> someone sat down and they wrote the fire kineticist and they're like uh this class is the super villain class even if you're the hero and i love it i'm here for it you could just imagine they're like writing heavy metal lyrics on the side and then they're also writing the fire feats yeah <laughs> uh absolutely there's ignite there's zero percent the chance well ignite the sun is so cool you create a miniature sun like it literally says you create a miniature sun and you yeah. it, it produces light like a sun it's like a little five foot thing it's so cool i love it so Ooh, much I, sun. if if i ever play a game besides dustin's game or when dustin's firefighter game is over and i can be the fire instead of being a firefighter i will put suns all over absalom i will be the villain that logan bonner knew i could be Jeez. basically 
Uh, let's see, surging, uh, yeah, water's got some cool stuff called Water Dance is neat. There's one called Return to the Sea. Which yes, you got, you have to so say good. with a piratey voice. I, I don't know. I can't, hold on. Return to the sea. No, I can't, I can't do it without I a pirate voice. Return to the sea. There you go. It's I so did it good. for you. So uh, have you seen the Shattered Mountain Weeps? Oh my gosh, wait, is that a high level one? <laughs> it's what the 18th like? level Earth feet. A massive sphere of rock appears overhead, exploding in a cataclysm of falling debris and deadly shrapnel. Wow! <laughs> All right, that is pretty cool. It's so good. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I I get that there are technical issues in this class, and like that's valid, and I would sure. love to see them. No, fixed. no, but that's so cool. The, the things you can do, and we didn't go into I all of them. It's a big it. document. Go read it all. Which is, I just wanted to talk about it and gush so about how good. cool it is. Um, and I honestly didn't mean to get this deep analyze it that long, but, but no, there we are should so have. many cool things in that's here. That's our that's our job. That's our, our job. job that we don't get paid for. That's, that's our fine. job. I mean, Earth actually, does we do get paid for. It it. We you can Patreon. raise a stone shield. What's that? I said we do get paid for it. We have a Patreon. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. someone's getting paid. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, fire gets burning jet, propelling you forward with sheer force, straight up to forty feet in a straight line. <laughs> Movement doesn't trigger reactions. Fire, it's you so just good. you just rocket blast past people. <laughs> how how about Bean infinite ex- not included? <laughs> infinite expanse of bluest heaven. Oh my gosh. These are all the high level ones. All the high yeah. level ones are just, they're kind of cool. I, what's going to happen is that all the feedback is going to say, don't change any of the names. And then all the designers are going to go, oh, they all want uh, erupting, burning finger stuff. Um, and then, like, uh, like that's all we're going to get from now on. Like, we're, from instead of rage, we're going to have howl at the moon, howl at the bloodied moon for the barbarian and stuff like that. Mm hmm. I can't wait. It's so good. I'm here for this future where everything is just poetic. <laughs> but I feel like we've done a decent coverage of the kineticists. We got most of the we stuff. Did. Did, yeah, we did, we did pretty good. We, did. Uh, we got most of the stuff for all the stuff for Gen Con that was announced. Uh, we talked about all the elemental planes. Uh, we talked about the Gen Con mega bundle. Yeah. Am I forgetting anything important that we were supposed to do? I don't know. I think that's the, the big stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm sure Dustin Knight, who put the Mega Bundle together, wouldn't mind linking it once more in the Twitch chat. Uh, I highly recommend you go and support these uh, these freelancers and, and independent designers who have created some mm-hmm. awesome stuff on Pathfinder Infinite. Uh, I'm sure that in a year from now, a bunch of amazing stuff's going to come out for the Kineticist as well. Oh, and the one thing I wanted to talk to you about, yeah, we talked earlier. Me. We talked earlier about how you you were like, oh, you could create a class that was, you know, the 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 official kineticist and the legendary kineticist. Yeah. But you could have a four-player class where yeah. someone played the kineticist playtest, someone yeah. played a legendary kineticist, someone yeah. played the elemental avatar from Battle Zoo, and okay. someone played the there's an uh, a Pathfinder Infinite kineticist that was also released by oh. a designer. So you could have four different strong elemental themed classes yeah you could do a whole party of of elemental power yeah and then you have a wizard who is an elemental mage just for good or laughs or a druid could do it like a sort an elemental sorcerer yeah Yeah. oh martic 87 in chat says vanessa you didn't cover why there's no aether kineticist oh thank you for reminding me martic 87 okay so there's no aether kineticist and here's why i think that is the psychic has uh, one of the builds has such strong telekinetic powers, like uh-huh. 
amazing telekinetic powers. I think it would be really, really difficult to do a kineticist that's an aether kineticist that did it justice. Also, the aether kineticist is based on the uh, ethereal plane, and the ethereal plane is mostly about ghosts and things that have turned themselves incorporeal. There's like other weird creatures like phase spiders and stuff that live there, but mostly it's like the ghost plane. And it was always kind of a little bit weird to be like, I pull strands of aether from the ghost plane to move stuff around. And that was always a little weird to me. Um, so I'm actually perfectly happy to say, yeah, there's no aether kinesis anymore. Just go play the psychic that specializes in like mage hand and uh, 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 what's it? The kinetic fling thing. I'm going to call it a rule of Odic because I play uh, role for combat too much, which is right, what Rob Pontius says. I got a counter for that. Ready? If any designers are listening, because sure, obviously right. V and I are allowed to be, have different opinions on things. What? Uh, you could take yeah, right. Uh, you could take that argument and say you don't need a kineticist because if you want a kineticist, just do all the uh, elemental powers with druid or a primal spellcaster. Like, I don't think that having the psychic means that another telekinetic option can't exist. Um, also, sure. like, I think the flavor, if I remember Planar Adventures was correctly, is that Aether as an element is, is the element that comprises the boundaries between realities. It's not necessarily specifically the ethereal plane. It's like- we talked a lot about it. Yeah. The, it's like the threads that make up the fabric of reality that separate planes. So I think that there's room for it as an element. I think the thing that might stop it is if there's actually not an elemental plane of Aether. Like if every plane is made out of aether, like where where would the gate go essentially? Like where is it yeah, pulling? Where, that's the, the that's the new flavor. Into? Yeah, it taps um, into the borders. It's the neutral zone. Don't tell the Romulans. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> like, I don't know. I I always thought it was a little bit of a stretch because they had the word kineticist, which is cool, and they have pyrokineticist, and geokineticist, and you know aqua or hydrokineticist or whatever. And then you're like, well, telekineticist, obviously. And you're like, what's the plane of tela? And yeah. like made something up just so that it kind of fit. And I don't know, yeah. to, to me, I, seeing this tree, here's the other thing. Okay, so think about first edition kineticist. First edition kineticist, if you wanted mm -hmm. to do a melee attack with it, you had to hold something and wrap it in aether and then beat someone with it. Oh, and but it was so object, good. And that object also took damage. It was so was, good. So at low levels, I knew someone who played one of these. At low levels, they're like, I want to do aether punches. So they had to get adamantine gauntlets so their weapon wouldn't be shredded by their own melee attacks with aether. But then when they got too. high enough level, <laughs> they did so much damage, they overcame the 20 points of hardness and started doing like lots of damage to their gauntlets and literally couldn't play the character anymore. It was very frustrating. Punch well, Dimension, you got it, concerning Warlock. Well, what's so. really funny is like in first edition, the rules actually never said the item couldn't be broken. Like it just said you needed an item, so I broke my gloves and then beat people with the shredded pieces of my gloves on my my kinesis. <laughs> they were supposed to continue taking damage, and at a certain point, they become destroyed and they don't do yeah, anything. No. Doesn't say you can't. It just says it has to be an item. A destroyed item is still an item. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, it's, like, just... it's like how a dead creature is still a corpse. <laughs> okay, fine, uh, but it's not a creature anymore. Uh, so I don't know. It, it was kind of silly, but I was just thinking about like the way that they presented this. Like, are you going to grab strands of aether and like beat people? Maybe, with... but in first oh. edition, the like uh, it was pointed out in chat, the aether elemental existed. They were nasty. Oh, they were overpowered. I they were they were the nastiest elemental in the eliverse. 
Yeah, I, I threw one of those at a party that by like second edition concepts would have been like a, a low or even trivial encounter and it wiped the floor with people. It's it so, so good. You, it's like when you throw colored out of spaces at the party that they just eat them. It's like, enjoy. Marduk87 says, carry a fistful of coppers. That's actually what my Aether Kineticist did in first edition, except I use gold pieces because everyone complained about how expensive gunslingers were at one gold piece per bullet. And I said, fine, I will do an Aether Kineticist and I will throw gold pieces at people at one gold piece per bullet. And I am not going to go and pick that up. Gold is a soft metal. And so when it hits someone for 8d6 damage, there are shards (laughs) of gold everywhere. I am not tracking those down. That's so funny. Well, then just pick up a new shard and hit them with that one. It's fine. Just do one coin. It's dust. It's like, it's it's nothing at that point. I did 300 damage on a crit in first edition. It doesn't exist. It it's broken down into its component elements. I just did, I just did I, fusion. Fission. <laughs> yeah, I very much am hoping that we still see an aether element. I I feel like the elemental planes and uh, kind of occupy this weird space where like they're covered by primal because obviously they are the primal essence of the elements that build the fundamental building blocks of all reality. But like. Planes are inherently a cult, and I feel like Aether is more a cult than all the other elements. And I think that that's kind of where the the question might lie for the designers. I would like to see Aether back. To me, that that is a character I could not port over to Pathfinder without the Aether. Uh, he's not a psychic. He does not have any of those spells. I just want to beat people with my with 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 my with my cords of Aether. That's all I want. That's all I need to be. It's got to be the Aether. The specialist of the psychic is also cantrips, right? So yeah. Cantrips are infinitely used, just like these abilities are infinite. I understand what you're saying, and I understand that it would probably feel better to have a telekineticist, and I can see them. I want one. a marshal. Want to beat them with oh, the spells? I beat them. <laughs> but I can see he wasn't like smart. An- <laughs> he was. He was. He was sturdy, boy. <laughs> I mean, he's a kineticist. Um, what I can see is like. I, I could see it happening, but there might be enough tweaks you have to make that Aether, for example, might have to be its own gate, right? Yeah. Like. When you're picking a dedicated gate or dual gate or a universal gate, you might just have to have the Aether gate as its own thing. Can you imagine if they did Entropy and like Dissolution, like the Vanguard as its own gate? Like elemental, all the elements collapsing and dissolving into nothingness, the absolute stillness of the dead before space that all time will revert to. Oh gosh, you could have the craziest Edgelord character this like sounds, that. That sounds like really good Pathfinder Infinite Material, actually. Oh my gosh. End of all things, the devourer cometh the Pathfinder. For those of you thinking about making infinite products for this, I one encourage it, and two, give you a warning. Uh, which is that I believe they're trying to hold off on uh, kineticist-related material until the actual book comes out, mm-hmm. um, mostly because they don't want material out there for the playtest, have the actual version be different, and all of a sudden, either your stuff is just not compatible and confusing for players, or is uh, it's just straight-up not compatible, and now they've got a lot of stuff that they can't use. So I would definitely hold off on that, but start writing stuff down, start brainstorming the types of things they would have. So when the, the official version comes out, you can you can post something like that. I would be curious to mm. see an entropic kineticist. I want it. All right. So we've talked about all the cool Gen Con releases. We've talked mm. at length about the structure of the new kineticist playtest and a lot of, and we've touched on all the cool things it can do. Um, I am honestly looking forward to trying this. Uh, I, I definitely want to do 
some sort of playtest game where one or more people plays one. I actually wouldn't mind doing uh, like kind of like we recommend, like, you know, suggested a, a four player game that includes the, the playtest kineticist, but also a limited kineticist and also an elemental avatar and also, and just try it from different aspects of uh, essentially four different ways of tackling the same type of subject matter. Just, just for mm. fun. I think that'd be cool. And, uh, or even just a party of four kineticists just to have fun. Um, I'm curious about how this interacts. And this is where, I, once again, uh, listeners who are listening to this, please come to our Discord. Go to nodirection.com, uh, nodirectionpodcast.com, and click on the Discord link and join us. And tell us all about your Kineticist builds. What are you doing with the Kineticist playtest? How are you using it in interesting ways, perhaps with other dedications? Uh, if you get rededication archetype, uh, the free archetype rule, or if you don't, but how, how are you going to have it interact with other ones? I'm really curious about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. What are you, what are you looking forward to? What do you hope they add to the final book? Join the conversation at our discord. And if you would like to, if you're a patron of the no direction podcast, you can join us after the show in just a few moments in the discord, in the patrons private sanctuary, where we're going to keep talking about the kineticist. And whatever it is that you want to talk about. So you can join us there. If you are listening to this live or watching live on Twitch and you say, that sounds great, but I'm not a patron yet. You can go to patreon.com, find no direction, become a patron. There's also a link from our website and then link your discord to Patreon and you will automatically be given access to the patrons private sanctuary. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a bonus that I was trying to give you last time. We, <laughs> last time we did this, uh, I was trying to give free access to all who want to join the patron's private sanctuary. And I couldn't for technical reasons. I have fixed those technical reasons. So I am going to actually open up that whole category to everyone for the next oh, 45 minutes or so, so that you can join us for that half hour show. So join us over there on our, on our discord and we will see you there. Uh, we're going to do a quick wrap ups and shout outs just cause I think we've got a couple things we want to talk about before that starts. That gives you a few minutes to take care of that. Alex, uh, let's let's do the. I got the thing. Wrap okay. ups and shoutouts. Wrap ups and shoutouts. Wrap ups, wrap ups and shoutouts. All right. Uh, who are uh, the goblins in? I know. Cue the goblins. What What do you have for wrap ups and shoutouts? Well, first thing I want to shout out to is uh, the Gen Con Mega Bundle. We've talked about it several times. Make sure you support that because there's a lot of great uh, content in there. It's also a great way to help out people in the show. I, myself, uh, Dustin, I think Vanessa, you and Helen have some stuff in there. And I think Louise Loza yeah, does some as well. Yeah, and Lace. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of great content in there. Uh, there's over $200 with products. Make sure you pick it up. Uh, it's very helpful to a lot of people. And uh, you also get great stuff that you can use in your games or maybe just to inspire yourself. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to, this is kind of, ugh, I hate to do this because I'm so excited. No, do it. Do it. I'm so excited, but I can't announce a thing yet. So I'm going to tease you all. That's what I'm going to do. Do it. My tease all shout them. out is for my own company. I have a tiny company uh, called Ninja Cat Games. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, independent game studio. And we're developing some stuff that I haven't, I can't announce yet. So it's like, well, why are you telling us this? We're getting so close to an announcement mm -hmm. and I, I don't know when it's going to happen. A big one, a very big announcement. It's like picking a lock and 
you don't know when all the tumblers are finally going to be in place, but you're working on it. And as soon mm. as all those tumblers are in place, uh, I will have an announcement. But I have a little game studio and I have some some big stuff happening for it. And I really want to announce our first game, which will probably happen in the next month or so, hopefully, with, with if all the tumblers land where they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know about it, please follow uh, my Twitter at ninja underscore cat games. I'm announcing an announcement, says Paper Ninja. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, follow me at ninja underscore cat games for Ninja Cat Games. And we've got some really cool stuff happening. And I, I think I think you'll be excited about it. It's pretty cool. So that's my announcement to make an announcement. Um, One thing I want, uh, I want, to, I want uh, people to start following me. So I, yeah, I, I get stuff on there. It's going to be very they cool. They got it. Uh, one thing uh, I want to announce, uh, I know that everyone on, I think Beyond has heard by now, but I have written a Starfinder Adventure Path. I'm writing Starfinder, yeah. or have have written Starfinder 51 uh, into the Dataverse. It is the culmination of the Drift Hackers Adventure Path, uh, where you find out exactly what caused the Drift Crisis and how to stop it. And stopping it means that you have to go into an alternate reality that is uh, a digital techscape like Tron. And uh, try to solve the problem from within the dataverse. Uh, if you have ever seen uh, any type of Tron show or any type of show that involves people getting stuck in video games, uh, my adventure path is for you. And I can't wait for it to come out next year around like I think it's some. I think it's before PaizoCon, but uh, from what I remember for the the saying at the show. But I'm fingers crossed. I'm very excited to be an adventure path author. Um, and I got to work with uh, the illustrious Jason Keeley. Uh, it was the final book he wrote before uh, he Aww. stepped down from Paizo. So I, yeah, he developed. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for you all to see this book. I'm very excited. It's kind of scary. Alex, you know? I'm so proud of you. It is I'm so, so cool. Like writing <laughs> so adventure paths, is, it's hard work. It's a lot it of is. words. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Think about like, it's like paying off a car. Yeah. Except you have to pay all the payments not over like five years, but in like yeah. three months. Like you just have to keep chipping away at this huge thing, and then finally mm-hmm. someday you're done, and it's awesome. And so I'm I'm hugely proud of you for doing that. Yeah, it was it was really great. Like I putting it together, uh, the process that Paizo's perfected is really good and helpful to writers. I think. Um, I got a lot of good tips from a lot of experienced uh, Adventure Path authors, including Vanessa, who's written like 20 by now. I've um, written 20. Have, okay, common misconception. I've written four. Only three were published because one was for a third party publisher that after I wrote, I did the assignment and wrote it for them. They decided, and they huh. paid me, but they decided that they don't want to get into Adventure Paths. Like they don't want to open that Pandora's box. And so oh, man. I've just, technically just written four. <laughs> Oh, that stinks. Put that out. Get something, put it out for people. Maybe someday they'll want it. Um, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a, I had a great time. Uh, I, I learned a lot about Jason Keeley doing that assignment. And the one thing I learned is that we have very similar interests when it comes to horror and monsters, which was very fun to find out. <laughs> it's good. There's, uh, there's a, mo- I, I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a monster that I did not know if Jason would want because it's a creepy pasta reference. And he liked that. I put it in so much that it is the chapter opener for the chapter. It appears in that he had told me. And I was like, Oh my God, my God, you like this too. He's like, yeah. And then we started like swapping. He's like, yeah, I run a Twitch stream where I, uh, I play all the spooky games. Like he, he was doing, po- uh, what is it? Poppy's playtime. I think is what it's called. 
And yeah, it's, and so I was watching Jason play Poppy's playtime. Like, oh my God, this is, this is too much. I can't handle this, but this is great. I loved it. So it was a very fun experience. Uh, I loved every minute of it. I can't wait for people to see just the weird, I mean, like V, you know, firsthand how weird an Alex Agunas adventure is, Mm -hmm. but, uh, (laughs) so I can't wait for other people to experience, uh, this adventure. I'm very excited. Well, congratulations. As I said, I'm very proud of you. And uh, from what you have told me about it, this sounds like something that is amazing and you should probably run for me. Alex, run it for me. I want to. I okay. My dream is to find somebody who wants to do an actual play and do an actual play of it. I All would right, love well, to show everybody. Just be like, ah, 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 let me show you. Well, there you go. See, Alex is volunteering to run an actual play adventure path. Not produce, but run. <laughs> so if you're out there and you don't mind producing and editing one, uh, you've and got a GM on your hands, which is and you cool. want a celebrity GM. I mean, I only wrote this, but I guess oh, it's technically God. a celebrity. Sure. Yeah, I, I actually reached out to one of my favorite groups of podcasters to see if they'd be interested. And it's like, maybe. So we'll see. We'll I, hope see it, I hope it works out. I hope it works out. Well, thank I you so, so much for joining us, everyone. This has been episode 282 of the No Direction podcast. And I'm mm-hmm. Vanessa Hoskins. I'm Alexander Agunas. And if you want to find the path, you need No Direction.